us turn to Hebrews chapter number 13 tonight. Hebrews chapter number 13, and as we turn there, uh, looks like might have a little, where's Brother Chris? Is he out in the foyer? Might have a little mess up there with the PowerPoint. So, uh, Andrew, you want to go see if you can get Chris, see if he can fix that up, maybe. Um, but tonight I want to talk to you about uh, something. How many of you, out of, out of curiosity, how many of you struggle with change? Anybody struggle with change? I guess, I guess I'm not alone. Uh, I think we're cre- creatures of habit sometime, are we not? You kind of get your favorite restaurant, and then uh, the, the restaurant goes out of business. You get somebody that finally can do your hair, and then that person gets fired. Uh, you, 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 there's a store that you like, and the store uh, goes out of business. You know, and, and it's just like you, you, you get to where you like things a certain way. And, and I know I struggle sometimes with change. Just, you know, things, things are, you know, I, I just like it because I, I like it when things don't change. Uh, my wife sometimes, the other day she asked me uh, for something out in the garage. She said that she was going to clean some windows and there was a squeegee and she said, she's looking around, she said, do you know where that's at? And I said, and I, I just walked around the car and went over to the corner, reached down and I grabbed it and, I, and I, she goes, that's what I wanted. She goes, wow, you know where everything's at out here. And I just, I, I like things to be in a certain, Brother Kenny's like this. Miss Becky can attest to, to Brother Kenny's like this. He doesn't like people messing with his stuff. You know, everything's got to be in a certain place. And, uh, you know, I, I just, and especially when it comes to the Word of God and certain things that we find in the Word of God, how that oftentimes there are things that when we look at it, there are things in God's Word that don't change. Aren't you glad for that? We, we need in our lives, look, if we live in a world that changes every day. And there needs to be some constants in our lives. Some things that we know they're going to be there, they're always going to be the same. Because this world we live in, every time you turn around, something changes. You know, Chick-fil-A changed this past week. You know, and, and, and by the way, it's Chick-fil-A today, what's it going to be tomorrow? And, and I'm not going to get all shook up about it. Because the things of this world don't matter to me. The things of God is what should matter to us. We've got to have some things that do not change. And as we go into this time of Thanksgiving, I I wanted to look at a portion of Scripture. I haven't really spent a lot of time uh, in the last five years that I've been here in Hebrews chapter number 13, but I want you to look at a few verses here, beginning in verse number 5. The Bible says, read along with me, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Boy, that'd change everything right there if we just learn to be content. The Bible says, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, 
and today and forever. Amen? Amen. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So tonight, I want to talk to you about some reasons or some unchanging reasons to give thanks. And I think as you look at it from this portion of Scripture, you'll understand it. Now, this morning, I used... 1 Thessalonians 5.18, look at it there again. In everything, give thanks. Why? This is the will of God in, uh, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The Bible commands us as believers to give thanks to the Lord. Let me say that again. The Bible commands us to give thanks to the Lord. Now, we don't give thanks to the Lord for everything. We give to, thanks to the Lord in everything. There is a difference. The Bible tells us to give thanks to God in, notice the word 1 Thessalonians 5.18, doesn't say for everything, it says in everything. We ought to be thankful, not just because we are told. Remember, remember when you had children or you were a child and your parents told you when somebody gives something to your kid, you always tell your child, what do you say? Now, you can try that with my granddaughters, and Peyton, she'll just look at you. She comes into my office. I keep these, these uh, what are they for? They're for, like, bonfires for, like, s'mores. They're those big, flat marshmallows. And she comes in, and she just stands there by my cabinet. She knows what's in there. And so I'll open it up, and I'll get them out, and I'll hand her one, and I'll say, what do you say? And she just turns and walks away. And then her dad will say, what do you say? And she's learned to say, thank you. And then she goes on her way. Now, can I tell you that certainly we should be thankful, but not just because we're told that we should be thankful, but because we have so much to be thankful for. You stop and think about all the blessings. It's, it's easy sometimes to be thankful for the things that we have and God has been so good to us. But remember that the things that we have, is this not true? The things that we have are subject to change. Can you remember the day where you didn't have health challenges? Can you remember the day that your job was going well? Things change, do they not? 
You see, it's easy to thank God for what you have while you have it, but when we no longer have it or things begin to change, like our health or our relationships or our finances, things can change quickly, sometimes too quickly. So what do you do when things change? How does, how, when things begin to change, how does that affect your thankfulness? Are you still able to thank? Look at the verse again. In everything, give thanks. God didn't say in some things. What you pick and choose, he says in everything, give thanks. We have to learn to look beyond the changing things to maybe some things that will never change. And that's why I, I, God brought me to this passage here tonight. I want to look at some of these verses and some of the unchanging reasons for thanksgiving. Look at the first one tonight. You and I, as believers, we should be thankful for our Savior that never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I never have to wonder about Jesus. He's always the same. I love it when I think about him and so many things I'm thankful for. And when I, when I think about Jesus, all of these things revealed, it, not only here in Hebrews chapter 13, but other places in the Word of God, they cause me to be thankful for my Savior at all times. Look at three things in the passage. Look at verse number five. The Bible says, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So when I think about one thing about how, how he never changes, I think about his abiding presence. How he says, look, other people may disown you, other people may leave you, other people may stop talking to you or unfriend you, but I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're my child. Remember, when you talk about God, God's love is an unconditional love. You, maybe you saw it on the news. I, again, I'm not a big social media type of person, but it was either Instagram or Facebook. Maybe Facebook did it a while back. But they, you, you can like certain things that people post, and so it actually keeps a running tally of how many people liked what you put on there. You know what I'm talking about? A lot of times it's a little hard. And they said that, that it's, it's actually causing problems with people because people pay so much attention to how much, what the number is that if the number's not big enough, they feel like nobody likes them. So they actually took off the number of likes. I'm glad when it comes to Jesus, I don't have to see a number. I know he likes me. I know he loves me. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love it because he is always with us. The saint of God will never walk alone because he says, I will be with you always. Matthew 20, uh, 28, 20, even unto the end of the world. And notice the Bible says, amen, right? 
God's going to be with us until the Lord calls us home. He will be with us in his abiding presence. But notice about him also, I see his assisting presence. Because not only does he abide with us, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But look at verse number six. So that we may boldly say, look at this. The Lord is my what? He's my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. How many of you have an older brother? I never had a brother. Don't you feel sorry for me? I just had sisters. And they were all older than me. Boo-hoo, right? But I'll tell you this, I, I had friends that had brothers, older brothers, and there was just something about having an older brother that when you got in trouble, that older brother was your helper. I mean, he helped you out of jams, and he took care of bullies that were bullying you. I mean, listen, I'm going to tell you something, but when I think about what the Bible says here, that listen, when I get into trouble, and when I don't know what to do, and I don't know where to turn, the Bible says, the Lord is my helper. <laughs> I love this word here, because when you look at the word helper, it actually comes from a word that means, listen to this, to run. I sat there and looked at that when I looked the word up, means to run. Started digging into that a little bit. I love words. I love word etymology. The idea is that when we are in need of something, the Lord runs to our aid. He runs to us. I mean, you think about, it. we're talking about the creator God that created everything in this world. But listen, that's how much of a personal God he is, that not only did he say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but when you get in trouble and you have a need in your life, I'll come running to your aid. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You can take that to the bank. Look what Jesus said in John 14. I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. Certainly, Jesus brought great comfort in people's hearts when he was on this earth. But the time in John 14 was getting close. Jesus was going to go to the cross. And Jesus said, look, I, I have to go away to prepare a place for you. But he says, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you comfortless. He says, I will send you another comforter that he may abide with you. Look at these words, forever. Right? Right, Brother Joe? Forever. There you go. So when you think about this, the Holy Spirit that he promised, uh, Acts chapter number 1, the promise of the Father was the sending of the Holy Spirit of God. And when I look at this, he's talking about another comforter just like himself, our paraclete, the one that has been called alongside of us to give aid to us, to comfort us in our time of need. And so when I think about Jesus and how our Savior never changes, I love the fact that his presence, he always abides with us and he is always assisting us. But look at this, in verse number 8, I see his anchoring presence. In verse number 8, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of the greatest sources of thanksgiving, folks, for me in my life, especially in this ever-changing world that we live in, is the truth that Jesus never changes. He's the same. You know, you ever go to one of those class reunions? I haven't been to one of those in a long time. They're too, too depressing. 
You know what everybody does at class reunions? They want to see who gained the most weight, who lost the most hair, who has the most kids, who's been divorced the most times. And ever so often, they'll look across and go, wow, you haven't changed a bit. My dad, for years, my dad, my dad had dark hair all the way into his 80s until he had cancer and lost his hair and it came back. But a lot of people, they always accused my father of using Grecian formula. Some of you don't know what that is. But he would use that. They, they thought he used that on his hair to keep his hair the color that it was. My dad never, listen, my dad came from the days of Elvis where, you know, you put like 40 weight oil on your hair. But my dad never colored his hair. And all these people that were his friends, they, my wife can attest to this, they, they all were so jealous of him. They all thought that he was using some kind of color on his hair. And listen, he would tell them, he'd just laugh. He'd, a lot of times he wouldn't even say anything to them. Let them get all worked up. But when I think about Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is the same. You know what that means? In eternity past, and 2,000 years ago, when he came to this earth, and today, and forever, he's always the same. He doesn't change. He's a constant in our life, and, and it's such a source of thanksgiving. Look, what Jesus was then is what Jesus is now. He's still the Son of God. And, and even before creation, all the way into eternity, Jesus has never, nor will he ever change. He is still the I Am, is what the Bible calls him. He still possesses all the power. He says in Matthew 28, 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 6 how that we have a, a hope that he is an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, would entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Hey, listen, folks, when you think about our Savior, he never changes. And to me, that brings great joy into my life, and I am thankful for a Savior that never changes. But secondly, I see in this passage tonight, not only should we be thankful for a Savior that never changes, this one might be hard for some in the world today, some religious people, but notice, secondly, we should be thankful for our salvation that never changes. I, listen, I, I don't mean this jokingly tonight. I hope there's no one here tonight that struggles with, are you saved or not? There's a lot of people that, that don't understand, but the Bible's clear. Jesus, the Bible says, one of the, one of the mess, uh, most well-known verses in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How long is everlasting? It's forever. How long is eternal life? It's forever. Can you save yourself? No. Who saves us from our sins? Jesus. So if he saved us, would Jesus ever unsave us? Not when he said, he promised that he would give us everlasting life. So here's the question. How can you lose your salvation? That's the words that people use sometimes. You can't lose your salvation. You know why? Because you never found it. 
God gave you eternal life. And our salvation, listen, I'm trying to help you tonight. Right here from Hebrews chapter 13. You cannot lose your salvation. Our salvation, just like our Savior, never changes. Now, we can, the Bible does tell us, we can backslide, we can get away from God. Our, our walk with the Lord may not be as close as it used to be. That can happen. We allow sin into our lives, and, and sin separates us from our God. That's why you find verses in the Bible like 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was written to believers. So understand tonight, when you think about salvation, a salvation that never changes, look, look back in our passage, look at verse number 9. Now, I want you to really pay attention to what the Bible says here. Look at verse 9. Be not carried about with divers and strange what? Doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Now, if you go back in the Old Testament, you probably know from your Bible reading, and maybe you've been saved long enough, that in the Old Testament, the practice was that they would bring the sacrificial animals but I also find that as you look in the Old Testament, the typology, that none, it was never God's design, the blood of bulls and goats, it was never meant to atone for the sins of mankind. Only the blood of God's own dear son, the, the precious lamb of God, without spot, without blemish, could purge us of our sins. It was looking forward to what Jesus would do. So when you think about salvation, notice, first of all, the price of salvation. He says here that our heart may be established with grace. Now, salvation, the price of it. We've talked a lot about this over the years. But look at this verse that I found in Isaiah chapter 55, the very first verse. Isaiah the prophet writes, Ho, everyone that thirsteth cometh ye to the waters, and he that hath no, what? No money. Come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Interesting. If you fast forward in your Bible, you go to the last book in the New Testament, the book of Revelation. Go to the end of it, chapter 22 and verse 17. Look at that verse. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life what's that last word freely in other words when i look at the word of god i find here that it cost god his own dear son all we had to do was exercise faith you see salvation is not free it came at a high price. 
Aren't you glad that God was willing to pay that price? Aren't you glad that Jesus was willing to leave heaven and come to this earth to give his life a ransom so that we can have a home in heaven someday? I personally am thankful for Jesus. And I'm thankful for my salvation. I don't take it for granted. It's the greatest day of my life that God saved me. I think about that song that we sometimes sing. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. You know, you think about the price of salvation. The Bible says that our heart may be established with grace. But think about the pain of salvation. Look, look at verse number 12 again. The last part of verse number 12. The Bible says that Jesus, uh, that, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. The pain, the agony. Jesus suffered. We're about to take the Lord's table tonight. And it's a reminder of the suffering, the sacrifice of Jesus, the shed blood, the broken body of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here that Jesus was willing to, to, to allow himself to go through this ordeal. He was God. He knew what was going to happen. And when the Bible says here that he suffered without the gate, outside. Yesterday we talked about those that were lepers, that were cast out. And listen, Calvary was a place that was outside. Look what John records in John 19. He, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, and they crucified him, the two other with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the midst. Isaiah, back in many hundred years before John recorded those words, wrote these words in Isaiah 53, surely he hath borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. He was bruised. Look at this. He was afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Remember Jesus' prayer about, let this cup pass from me. God couldn't do that. Jesus was the sacrifice. Our sins were placed on him. The Bible says that Isaiah said with his stripes. Jesus went through the cat of nine tails. The, the, they put the robe on him while he was still bleeding profusely. They platted the crown of thorns down on his brow and they pushed him in. To where the blood of our Savior came streaming down his face. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we, every last one of us, like sheep, have gone astray. There's none good. Not one. We've all gone astray. The Bible says here, we have turned everyone to his own way. And even though we did that, and even though we still do that as mankind, the Bible says the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. My sin, your sin, was placed on the Son of God. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. 
He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter. I've never sheared a sheep. I've never really spent any time around, but I've read enough about it. I've heard people talk about how that these, these lambs would just lay there. They don't fight. They don't put up a fuss. And the Bible says Jesus, the Lamb of God, was brought, and as a sheep before shears is dumb, he opened not his mouth. Listen, we have to know that he knew that he was innocent, but he never said a word. Even though he knew what we were, and even though he knew what we would be like after he saved us, because when we get saved, that doesn't mean we're perfect. Jesus still went to the cross, and he still suffered for our sin. The price of salvation, the pain he suffered without the gate. But look at the purpose of salvation, because the Bible says, look at verse 12 again, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. See, it wasn't the blood of those animals. It was with God's blood, precious blood. Jesus suffered the death that he did. It says right here, so that he might sanctify the people. That word sanctify means to set apart from vain things, from a vain conversation, from the, the lifestyle that we would live in sin. He has set us apart from that so that God could use our lives. Jesus died to take vile sinners out of their sins and to set them apart from this world so that God could use us for his glory. He saved us so that God might use us, we who are in Christ, that we're new creatures, old things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, I think easily... This week, we can be thankful that we have been cleansed by God. We've been set apart by God. We've been sanctified. Why? We, we want to be sanctified so that God would get the glory out of our lives. Well, how is all that possible? Through the blood of Jesus. He sanctified us. He set us apart by his own blood. That's salvation. You see, salvation, our salvation never changes. Our Savior never changes. Look at the third thing that I see in this passage that never changes, and that is we should be thankful for our separation that never changes. Look at verse 13. Let us go forth, therefore. This is right after Jesus suffered without the gate, shed his blood. The Bible says, let us go forth, therefore, unto him. Without the camp, bearing his, what? Reproach. You think about this. We are, God is, is instructing us right here in this verse, we are to do on the outside of our lives what 
he's already done on the inside. What did he do? He sanctified us. He set us apart inwardly through the redemption by his blood. And he desires that we that have been saved, that in this life, that we would stand for Jesus on the outside. In other words, listen, as I said this morning, that Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, we ought to stand up, stand up for Jesus in this day that we live in. Don't be afraid to tell people that you're a child of God. Look at Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That means God has a cross for you. And along with that cross might come some suffering, some stigma. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The Bible tells us that we need to bear his reproach. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 17. The Bible clearly tells us as believers to come out from among them. Christians are supposed to be different. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. And God says, if you don't touch the unclean thing, then I will receive you. Well, so often we, we want to straddle the fence. We want one foot in the world and one foot with the Lord. Christians should be different than the world. And I, I, for, I, for one tonight, am thankful that God has made a change, listen, in my life. Think about the song, the things of this world will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. See, our Savior never changes. Our salvation never changes. Look, it's important for us as Christians to understand one of the benchmarks for Christians is we ought to live a life that is separate from this world. And our separation, our biblical separation, never changes. Now, we might adapt to the world. And listen, God doesn't want that for any of his children. But there are so many Christians today that are compromising, that are adapting to things. And what we do is... Because it is sin in the eyes of God, we justify our actions. Last time I looked, in God's eyes, sin is sin. Doesn't matter how we paint it, and doesn't matter what we call it. Use all the adjectives that you want. God says, come out from among them. You know what's not preached in many churches today? Biblical separation from the world. We are a, God is a holy God, and we are to be a holy people. And understand tonight that God's view of separation, the Bible's view is that our separation should never change. There ought to be something distinctly different about Christians. And our separation never changes. But then notice a fourth thing he shares tonight in verse number 14 is we should be thankful for our sanctuary that never changes. Now, right now, we're in this world, and uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. But I know this, this world's not my home. 
You know, I have a residency where I live. But I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to the day when I no longer have to do any work on my residence. <laughs> no more tools, no more broken sprinklers, no more mowing the lawn. I won't have to worry about that. Look at verse number 14, here's what he says. For we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Anybody looking for that? Looking for that city to come? You know, you think about how we're reminded here in verse 14 of the world that we live in. Again, I mentioned in the beginning of the message tonight, the world is constantly changing. But if you're going to put all your hopes into this world, you're going to be disappointed. But I'll tell you, I know that what the Lord is preparing for me, I'm not going to be disappointed someday. He says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. See, we have no continuing city the child of God, we can rejoice. You know why? Because this world is not the end. The end is we will spend eternity with the Lord. There is something better down the road for the child of God, and we should be thankful when this journey ends that one day we're going to be in the celestial city waiting us that God is preparing to, that we can rest from our labors. It is there in this city, this place called heaven, that we'll enjoy, enjoy eternity with the Lord. No more sitting in doctor's offices. Some people, I know especially as we get older, that's all a lot of people do is just spend time at the doctor's office. Aren't you looking forward to the day that you won't have to go anymore? We may not know a lot about heaven because again, all we can go on is what God has given to us but I do know this, when I, when I look at the Word of God, I know for a fact that none of life's problems will be allowed in heaven. Amen? None of the problems down here. Look at Revelation 22.4. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We also know that we will be with the Lord for all of eternity. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. <laughs> this is certainly... Listen, folks, if, it, if, if what I just shared with you, and there's so much more to look forward to, but if that's all I share tonight, we certainly have enough to be thankful for, do we not? That God has saved us and God has given us an eternal home. When I think about approaching the Lord's table tonight, I think it's important that we take a close look at the real blessings that God has given to us. That we're thankful for all the things that he gives to us. I, I'm thankful for my health tonight. I'm thankful for my family tonight. I'm thankful for... Uh, financial blessings and other things in my life, but again, those things those things can change quickly. More than those things, I think all of us need to be thankful for the things that we can never lose, the things that will never change. Our Savior will never change.
Our salvation will never change. Our separation, it will never change. Our sanctuary will never change. We have a lot to be thankful for. So as you think about this tonight, let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I wonder as we spend just a few moments before we observe the Lord's table with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Maybe you just take a moment tonight and come and thank the Lord for some things in your life that never change. Aren't you glad for Jesus tonight? He's the same. Always has been, always will be. Aren't you glad for your salvation? So many people try to tell us that because of things in our lives that we might have lost our salvation. I'm glad that when God saved me that he gave me assurance of my salvation. Some of you might want to come tonight and say, Lord, help me to understand that the Word of God, the principles of the Word of God, that we are to live a life separate from this world. I don't want to grieve your Holy Spirit. Help me to live a life that's pleasing to you, that's sanctified. You died, you shed your blood for me that I would live a sanctified life. Some of you tonight, maybe just think about heaven someday. You know, none of us have a guarantee of tomorrow. If this was your last day on this earth, would you step out into eternity in the presence of God? If you can't say that with all certainty, why don't you come tonight, put your faith in Jesus so that you can have a home in heaven someday. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whatever it is tonight that you are thankful for, some of these things that are unchanging blessings from God. As the piano plays tonight, why don't you come? The altar's open. As we get ready to take the Lord's table, maybe you ought to just come tonight. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves. Make sure there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Let's make sure we're right, we're ready to receive what the Lord has for us.